0: Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks and coming up today, r Carriers has cleared the final hurdle to move forward with construction of their previously announced multi-million dollar logistics facility in Findlay. Economic Development Director Tim Miley explains what this means for the community moving forward. Also this morning, from abortion to racial and gender identity to generational inflation, A comprehensive new survey explores how Americans truly feel about the most divisive and important issues of our time. We'll take a closer look. And for Breast Cancer Awareness Month and beyond, Susan G. Komen encourages all of us to live pink and shop for the cause as the holiday season approaches. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, October 6th, 2022. Today is come and take it day. You want it? Come and take it. Garlic lovers day, which is a way of keeping people away from coming to take your stuff and coming to take it. Uh, Don't want to get close to us. Some garlic. Uh, Mad Hatter Day, National Badger Day, National Coaches Day, National Noodle Day, and National PA Day. So reasons... To, uh, so speaking of reasons to celebrate, Fat Bear Week is here. Did you hear about this? Uh, in case you haven't heard or you don't know what this is about, as the bears at the uh, Katmai National Park, is that how you pronounce it? Katmai National Park in Alaska. As the bears in the national park there uh, prepare for hibernation, their winter hibernation, visitors and fans can vote for their favorite chunky bear from the part. The uh, national park service website has posted uh, photos of the bears and you can catch uh, cast your vote for your favorite fat bear between now and October 11th fat bear week, a celebration of success and survival. According to the park's website, it is a way to celebrate the resilience, adaptability and strength of the brown bear. So <laughs> this actually began back in twenty fourteen as Fat Bear Tuesday. Uh as sort of a play on Fat Tuesday, you know, and and uh Lent and uh Mardi Gras and all of that. But um it's become taken on a life of its own and become Fat Bear Week. This week is the uh is <laughs> the bears prepare for hibernation wonder what they would think of that if bears uh, knew what we were saying about them. <clears throat> so uh, this is a, a big controversy. Rite Aid uh, has recently stated that the pharmacy chain uh, is considering in some locations putting everything in their stores behind plexiglass. uh in those plexiglass cases. If you ever go uh, into the store, I was in uh, the store the other day and I won't say which one big box store begins with a W. Uh, and I needed a replacement headlight for my car. Uh, one of the headlights had gone out and I needed to replace the uh, headlight. And, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't just go and get it off the shelf. I had to go and track someone down who had a key to unlock it. And, uh, you know, so something that should have taken me about 30 seconds to to do ended up taking 10 minutes, and it was uh, very frustrating. Have you ever had that experience? Well, Rite Aid uh, said that at some of their locations, they're considering putting everything behind those plexiglass uh, barriers because uh, they're tired of getting ripped off. Basically, uh, Walgreens and CVS have already implemented similar policies meaning shoppers must ask an employee to unlock items uh everything from makeup to medication to toothpaste at their stores being kept under lock and key and here's the thing if i can't just go and pick it up off the shelf if i've got to wait for someone to come and and take it what's the difference why would i even go to the store why would i not just buy it online um i mean that's one of the one of the things that you you remove the convenience part of it from going to the store, then there's no reason to go to the store. Anyway, some customers have taken Twitter to complain about these new practices, and uh, and that's basically the big argument: the inconvenience just drives shoppers to buy online. Um, <laughs> one uh, one user said that uh, Walmart loses, in their opinion, a lot of sales. Because folks see what they need is locked up, and it'll take a sacrificial tribute to get someone the keys, so they just leave. And it's not that you have to find an employee, which is getting increasingly more difficult in some of these stores, because they're short-staffed, and so there aren't as many employees, so it's harder to track one down. And then you've got to get the right one, because not all of the employees have the keys to open up all of the uh, display cases. Uh, You have to have... One from the right department with the right key. And yeah, it's uh, it's like jumping through hoops. It's just easier to order it online. Uh, in any event, some users uh, suggest the old school model of uh, stores back in the pioneer days where you didn't shop yourself. You went in to the counter. Everything was behind the counter. You went to the druggist at the pharmacy or the proprietor of the dry goods store. You told them what you needed, and they went and got it and and brought it back. Uh, so maybe maybe we're going back to that in the uh, days of the uh, you know little, little house on the prairie days. I don't know, but it's it's kind of crazy. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. I saw that in the uh, newswire uh, that announcement from uh, Rite Aid and. Because I just had that experience, I can certainly relate to the frustration of it. Anyway, uh, let's see here. This has been making big news. We've been paying attention to the headlines, especially with Halloween and trick-or-treat approaching law enforcement, warning parents about fentanyl uh, that is disguised as candy. Uh, They call it rainbow fentanyl. Colorful opioid pills begin showing up um they began actually showing up very early this year but over the past uh, several weeks and months they have spread nationwide the pills look like uh common party drugs it could be more appealing to young people they just look like candy uh narcotics prosecutor bridget brennan says we believe it is critically important to educate the public about this new form of fentanyl rainbow fentanyl and uh of course We know how deadly fentanyl is by now. That is well documented. According to the DEA, just two milligrams could be a lethal dose. But uh, and of course, with Halloween coming, got to be, you know, in trick or treat and all of that, be very, very careful. And somebody said the other day, I thought this was kind of interesting. It is this generation's uh, razor blades in the candy scare at uh, trick or treat. Um. Yeah, I guess it remains to be seen just how pervasive this issue might be at trick-or-treat time. Um, the razor blade in the candy thing is largely uh, an urban legend. But there have been isolated cases, and I would imagine this would be the same thing. There would be at least isolated uh, cases. But to put it in perspective, this, they say, is what you are more likely to uh, uh, have to deal with or you should be more, even more concerned Because it is much more common, uh, these uh, supercharged energy drinks that have become extremely popular as video game supplements. Um, Health experts are warning about these uh, energy drinks that have been supercharged. Uh, One serving of these ultra caffeinated supplements can contain twice as much caffeine as a can of Red Bull or more. And there were already concerns about some of the energy drinks like Red Bull and how much more caffeine they contain than coffee or regular soft drinks and so on. Another amping it up that much more. Uh, It says cartoon mascots and social media influencers alike make the supplements even more appealing to teens. Uh, These uh, supercharged energy drinks may give you a boost, but that boost is very temporary and can have other effects on your health, especially could disrupt your sleep. Uh, consuming caffeine during teenage years has been linked to attention issues, anxiety, and addiction. An estimated 50% of U.S. adolescents consume these energy drinks. So, much more common. This is uh, something that is even much more the you know, the fentanyl thing grabs the headlines. But this is a much more likely issue that your kids will uh, deal with. Not that the fentanyl thing, the rainbow fentanyl thing, isn't important, but... Keeping it in perspective, that should be something that you are concerned with, as so appearance. Uh, and I saw this on the uh, news and I thought this was uh, kind of interesting. Um, and especially <laughs> if you're uh, struggling to drag yourself out of bed this morning, you know, thinking, "Man, I need a vacation." Well, believe it or not, there is a new travel uh, travel trend, uh, and they call it uh, sleep travel. Uh, wherein bleary-eyed people are seeking new destinations just to catch some sleep. (laughs) That's the the whole purpose. We're not going to see the sights. We're not going to visit a family that we haven't seen for a while. We're not going to an exotic uh, resort to enjoy the beach or anything like that. No, we just want to take a vacation and go someplace to get some good sleep. It is a growth industry. The Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine has reported that 40% of more than 2,500 adults in a recent survey said their sleep quality has nosedived since the beginning of the pandemic. And some hotel chains are stepping up to fill the gap. And they're advertising this as a reason to travel and stay at their hotels. Sleep travel, they call it. Uh, Rosewood Hotels and Resorts launched a chain of 20 participating establishments called the Alchemy of Sleep at which guests can opt for one night, uh, for a one-night dreamscape or extend from two to five nights for a sleep transformation designed to reboot your snoozing skills. <laughs> the Park Hyatt New York uh, has a similar offer of personalized restorative, uh, personalized uh, restorative sleep experience that offers the perfect blend of comfort and function designed to provide a restful night's sleep. They're catering. These people, they're not going to see the sights or anything like that. They're just going to get a night's sleep. That's, that's all they want, to get a night's sleep. I don't know. There are some days when I can uh, certainly relate uh, to that, but uh, interesting trend. So there you go. Um, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started
1: here. WFIN News. I'm Matt Mcheck. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny skies today, a high of 73. It'll be partly cloudy tonight, a low of 44. Blanchard Valley Health System has updated its COVID-19 masking policy in response to the latest guidance from the CDC. As of now, vaccinated BVHS associates working in non-clinical areas will be able to unmask in specified areas during all transmission levels. BVHS clinical working associates will continue to mask regardless of vaccination status during periods of high transmission as defined by the CDC. BVHS says visitors and patients will continue to be screened and if asymptomatic with no known exposures will be encouraged but not required to wear a mask, get more on the website. Hundreds of people against abortion gathered at the Ohio State House in Columbus for the first ever Ohio March for Life.
2: Many of the speakers shared stories and shared a pledge to continue fighting to ban all abortion. And that included nearly 24 state lawmakers who took to the stage to show their support for this Ohio March for Life to ban all abortion in Ohio.
1: That's ONN's Brittany Bailey reporting from the State House. A dog is lucky to be alive, and he has a whole slew of first responders and community members to thank in Defiance County.
2: A dog is saved after a village came together to rescue it. When the dog got stuck in a pipe in Hicksville, the fire department, sheriff's office, two other agencies, and several neighbors came to help. Finally, rescuers were able to get the dog named Ozzy out. Ozzy is doing okay, no word on how he got stuck in the pipe.
1: WTOL 11's Melissa Andrews reporting. You can see pictures of that rescue operation on the website. The Putnam County Sheriff's Office is asking drivers to be extra patient with farmers during the fall harvest, which is underway. The Sheriff's Office reminds drivers that farmers will be traveling to and from fields, farms, and grain elevators with their machinery, and they'll be pulling in and out of fields and lanes, not just other roads. Drivers should also be alert for farmers working at night with their hazard lights on, finishing up the day's work, or trying to beat the rain. The Sheriff's Office is asking drivers to slow down and give farm equipment as much space as possible. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Dimchak for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So now we get to our cover story this morning. You might have uh, heard about
0: this earlier in the week. RNL Carriers has cleared the final hurdle to move forward with construction of their previously announced. Multi-million-dollar logistics facility in Findlay. We are joined by Economic Development Director uh, Tim Miley. And uh, Tim, this isn't necessarily breaking news uh, per se, but uh, you were telling me yesterday that now that they've gotten the uh, this final permit, uh, they should be things should move pretty quickly on this uh, facility uh, at this point moving forward, right?
3: Yeah, that's right. Morning, Chris. Thanks for having me. The, uh, it's definitely not breaking news, but we've actually been working on this project since 2019. I think you and I have talked a little bit about that, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the permit that they received, they actually have three buildings on the site and they had already received permits for their maintenance and truck wash facility. And the permit that they received this week was the permit for the large building, which will be the terminal building. And now that they have that, you'll start seeing a lot more activity on the site. So, uh,
0: this is, they've been quietly moving uh, forward on this for several months. As you mentioned, it's been a, a long time in the works. And as a matter of fact, when this uh, popped up in the news, uh, honestly, it had kind of slipped my mind that this was all uh, going on because it had been so, uh, so quiet. Talk a little bit about what uh this brings to the table what RNL carriers brings to the table and why it is so significant to uh have uh this in finley aside from you know the investment the jobs you know that kind of thing
3: sure sure yeah and you you may recognize now when you drive you'll see r trucks everywhere i see them everywhere i go now uh they're they're all over so they're already in the community mm-hmm. and they 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 supply material to manufacturers primarily it could be smaller machine shops, and so they, they bring value-add to companies that are, that are working in our area. The, the project itself is, it's the, the building is going to be very long and narrow. There's going to be 205 dock doors, so you kind of get a sense there'll be a lot of traffic going in and out. But the building is not designed to hold any inventory. So product will come in on a truck, and then it'll be moved to another truck to ultimate delivery of the customer those is a, a true cross dock situation and as we continue to grow in manufacturing and capacity and you know, a lot of the projects we work on don't make the headlines because it's companies doing machinery and equipment to increase capacity mm-hmm. or quality we need to have supporting companies like RL Carriers and Garner and Ohio Logistics to move material but we also need building space for inbound outbound finished products So all this works together. As we continue to increase manufacturing, what we've done, we need to make sure that we have the services to make sure that they can get their material in and out the door on time and on budget. So
0: this is uh, on a much smaller scale, but the same concept as say, for example, the uh, benefits of having the rail yard in North Baltimore, again, much smaller scale, but the same kind of concept.
3: It it is. That's a very good analogy because it's like a hub and spoke and, I'll just use an example of, of an airport. You fly into Detroit on Delta on the big plane, and then you connect it, get your connection to to the next airport. Mm-hmm. with the rail terminal, the big train comes in, and it gets split up little ones. Same thing here, material comes in. Because if you look at RL carriers, sometimes you'll see they have a double trailer going down the turnpike, but they also have box truck deliveries that go and deliver one box, like an Amazon delivery guy would do. So... You have to make that transition within their fleet. and That's what they'll be doing.
0: As you kind of uh, hinted, uh, you know, we already have a number of uh, trucking companies uh, here in Findlay, local uh, companies, Garner, uh, HTI Highway uh, Trucking, and, and, and so on. So what does this bring to the table? Is this a case of more is better? Is this, uh, are, Would this be viewed as competition for those uh, local companies? I mean, how do they kind of fit into the picture?
3: Well, I mean, they all, they all naturally compete, without a doubt. Mm. And the, the, the thing that I've always said about R.L. Carriers, so you, you think about Ohio Logistics, Chuck Bills leading that, and Gardner Transportation with, with Sherry right. leading that. R.L. Carriers is a family-owned company. Uh, they're actually headquartered in Ohio. Got to know the company very well. So, one, it's the type of company that we like to have in family because they'll be, they will be committed to our community. And the reality of it is, with e-commerce and changing patterns we're going to continue to need more and more trucks to move materials Mm. and if you just look at you know post-covid numbers on the highway that we got more trucks than ever out there moving moving material right now so and we're seeing a lot of new manufacturing come into the region so we definitely need to increase the capacity to support those companies and this is this is a a, a great addition to our business community
0: is uh, is the Finley and Hancock County area sort of becoming known as uh, as a hub for these uh, warehousing and distribution centers. I mean, this uh, kind of falls into that same category as a number of other uh, uh, businesses that uh, we uh, are all familiar with. Uh, is this uh, you know just another example of uh, of that?
3: So, you know, logistics and distribution companies certainly find the region. If you look up and down, I-75, so you've got uh, FedEx down in Lima, and you've got UPS and FedEx up to the north of us, and mm-hmm. uh, the companies that we have here, yeah. it, it's simply a geography solution, because we have, we have access to their customers, and, and the companies they're going to be working with, so it could be you know, people, it could be companies that manufacturers are working for, and with I-75, so our region is always going to be one of the best areas to put distribution and logistics. And the the nice thing is, distribution and logistics is becoming very advanced. You know, McLean is probably the best example. And 30 years ago, distribution and logistics jobs were fairly manual, where you're literally moving, pushing a, a, a box around in the facility. Right. And now we've got IT and engineers work in the facilities because it's all conveyors and robots that are moving the boxes. So the uh, some people still think of distribution logistics as what it was 30, 40 years ago. And they are very high-paying, competitive jobs. Well, and what and, we have here going forward, and that
0: kind of speaks to the reason I, I bring that up is because, uh, as you well know, there have been some who have uh, maybe expressed some concern that uh, that is a disproportionate uh, part of the investments that we have seen uh, here locally are all in, in warehousing and distribution and and so on. Uh, is that where you know we really uh, want to be? And as you said, you know, maybe again some of those concerns are based on uh, th- ideas and thoughts of what this industry was a generation ago
3: yeah and you know we we take a look at our project makeup of what is office what is manufacturing what is warehousing Mm -hmm. and we've got our fair share of both if you take a look at we have we have one company on on the east side of i-75 this year that quietly invested over 100 million dollars in machinery and equipment and it's a project that we had worked on we've got you know, Vell Film, now Vell Group is a good example of manufacturers that continue to expand and you start looking around the brick and mortar of ZF that built and Hamlet Protein and Romark built a new facility and Work mm. Brow just took over the new, the old METEC facility and, and you start looking around and those projects don't always make headlines either because it's just us doing our, our everyday job. Right. So they, they have to go hand in hand. If you're going to have manufacturing, you have to have uh, distribution logistics and vice versa.
0: Yeah, uh, certainly a good point. And uh, something that we've uh, talked about uh, in the past and is worth mentioning uh, in the same vein is that investments like these uh, often make it easier to sell the area to new investments moving forward. So it, uh, there is the kind of a snowball effect.
3: Well, and investors want to see people willing to invest. So, you know, for example, I'm down in, in Columbus this week at the Ohio Economic Development Association. Annual meeting, we're talking to site selectors, and that's, that's exactly when they're looking for communities. They want to see communities where businesses continually invest. It's one of their top priorities because there's land virtually everywhere. And, and what they know is that that community will welcome the business, mm-hmm. will get them through the permitting on time, work on with zoning, whatever the case may be. And, and the other thing too, to not miss, you think about all that stone and concrete going out to RL carriers. Well. Yeah. National Alignment Stone is very happy to have that project going on. <laughs> R.D. Right. Yeah. Jones out of Lima did all the site work. So there's a large ripple effect on these construction projects. There's, there's hotel rooms, the general contractors out of Illinois. So they've moved an entire team here. Mm-hmm. So there there is a short-term ripple effect that supports all the other businesses in town. That will work to uh, make this center a reality.
0: The uh, uh, important part of it, that can't an important component that can't be overlooked as well. Again, uh, Economic Development Director Tim Miley with us uh, this morning. Tim, thanks very much for the update, putting all of this in perspective. We appreciate it.
3: You're welcome, Chris. Thank you. Well,
0: 2022 will go down as the year in which Americans confronted head-on some of the most divisive and important issues of our time. This is some of the biggest questions and biggest issues we faced in a generation, from abortion to racial and gender identity to uh, record uh, inflation. Uh, As such, the 8th Annual American Family Survey, commissioned by Deseret News and Brigham Young University's Center for the Study of Elections and Democracy, was released earlier this week and offers some very interesting insights into how Americans truly think about these issues. Uh, Earlier this week, when the results of the survey were released, I spoke with Hal Boyd, executive editor of Deseret National, and Lois M. Collins, who covers policy and research that impact families for the Deseret News national team. First off, and I want to throw this out to uh, both of you, your your goal here is not to stir the pot, uh, but this is, by the very nature of the issues at play, going to be somewhat controversial, whatever the numbers say when all is said and done.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, our goal here is to really listen to the American people. I mean, this is our 8th annual American Family Survey. It's a nationally representative survey. And what we're trying to do is essentially sit down with Americans at the kitchen table and hear those kitchen table conversations. What worries them? What excites them? What are they optimistic about? What they what are they pessimistic about? And uh, what we find is that there's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a, it's a mixed bag. On the one hand, there's a lot of concerns about inflation and the economy. Uh, we found that, you know, in the 1980s, you would see poll numbers uh, results were 80 to 70 percent of u s adults would say that they were better off than their parents' generation
1: mm-hmm.
4: now today, in our most recent findings it's at forty percent, so you 've seen a dramatic diminishment of that, but by the same token, you see that people who are participating in family life, people who are parents, they tend to be a little bit more optimistic about their the, the future for their children hmm. and uh, and there tends to be a lot of benefits that accrue through family life, in terms of pooling of resources, um, ability to rise out of poverty. Uh, and so those are some positive findings. So it's, you have some you know, silver linings there in some of the findings this year as
5: well.
0: Yeah. Um, and you also find some very nuanced uh, results on issues that seem to, I mean, you mentioned that uh, everybody is concerned about inflation, for example, but it's really interesting when you break that down as to, you know, what's behind it, what's causing it, what will be the fixes, you know, those kinds of of nuanced responses is where you uh, definitely see some very, uh, some differences.
5: One of the interesting things is who gets blamed for inflation. So it's about 44% of people think that the fault belongs with the Biden administration, about 9% say it belongs with the Trump administration. Um, Democrats are more apt to say supply chain while Republicans are more apt to say that it's the Biden administration that you can cut that one several ways. Yeah. What it boils down to, though, is that about 56 percent of people feel like they really are seeing high costs when it comes to, to gas prices and to food prices and to housing prices. And so people are feeling the
0: pinch. Similarly, uh, sticking on the uh, the subject of kind of policy and politics, uh, when you look at policy issues uh, that have been very much in the news this year, uh, abortion, uh, immigration, uh, gun control versus uh, gun rights, um, you see some very nuanced responses. Yeah, we see a lot
5: of difference there, too. and And again, it's quite controversial in some ways. On gun control, there's a lot of wiggle room in the middle um, where people could perhaps agree that we need some sort of better background check. Mm -hmm. On abortion, it's quite divided about who would actually decide, should it be at the state level, should it be at the national level? Republicans want state-level decision-making on abortion. Democrats very strongly want a national policy. Um, There's wiggle room in the middle there, too, in that The extremes are pretty small. So people who think that there should be absolutely no abortion, no exception, a small group. People who think that you should be able to have an abortion clear up to what might be a delivery date, very small group. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of room in the middle for discussion.
0: And then maybe the most interesting uh, results are, not surprisingly, I guess, uh, surrounding some of the uh, social issues that have garnered so many headlines over the course of the past year, where you see uh, a lot less um, universal responses, a lot more uh, gray area and a number of these regarding uh, racial equality, gender identity, that kind of thing.
4: Yeah, as expected, you know, issues that we know to be polarizing, uh our findings suggest that they are polarizing. Yeah. However, I think there are some some interesting things there that you might not expect. One one for example is when you kind of uh, zero in on the results about uh schools, you know, what should be taught in schools, how should it be taught? We we find, you know, that there is kind of a majority if it's it's a plurality, but a majority of citizens, uh, U.S. adults, believe that these decisions about what should be taught, uh, the kinds of books that should be uh, utilized, that that U.S. adults agree that parents should kind of have the primary responsibility for that. Now, of course, there are other... Um, we asked a whole battery of questions in terms of, you know, should, should the, those decisions rest with government? Should they rest with the teachers? Should they rest with schools? And the majority uh, say it's parents, but they're, of course... Schools and teachers also play a very important role there. The, the, uh, the, the, the lowest percentage, people did not think that the decision should be with government. So that was one, one clear yeah. uh, finding as well. So while there are certainly polarized opinions about those issues, there is some overlap of maybe, you know, who should decide. But then the question is, you know, parents disagree uh, on these issues as well. So can there be a democratic process yeah. that allows for some facilitation?
0: And do you see a difference? And I don't know if you if you looked uh, at the, at it in this way uh, when we're talking about things like racial equality and gender identity and so on. Do you see a difference uh, in the way people think this should be approached in schools versus in other areas of public life, in businesses, in you know the corporate uh, workplace, you know those types of uh, of things.
5: We asked specifically about schools and not about work, although mm-hmm. I would assume that people probably would would take a similar approach if that's what they believe. And what we found is that people want it approached as an inclusion thing. They're more into rather than talking about sexism, they want to talk about including women more rather than talking about um, racism, they want to talk about including people more. And I would assume that that would spill over into other aspects mm. of life.
0: Really fascinating stuff from the eighth uh, annual American family, uh, survey. And we've just scratched the surface on, on some of this, but there is a, if folks want to do a deep dive into this number, uh, into these numbers, where do folks, uh, learn more about this?
5: It's online at deseret.com forward slash AFS, which stands for American family survey And you can not only look at this year's results, but you can look at previous years as well.
0: Thank you both for uh, taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you. My conversation earlier this week with Hal Boyd, again, executive editor of Deseret National and Lois M. Collins, who covers policy and research that impact families for the Deseret News national team of the eighth annual American Family Survey commissioned by Deseret News and Brigham Young University Center for the Study of Elections and Democracy. We have the link up to the, that uh, survey, which is uh, just out this week at our Web page if you want to learn more about some of the uh, interesting and uh, in some cases, maybe controversial, maybe surprising, uh, unexpected results. You can do a deep dive in the numbers. Uh, go to goodmornings.net to learn more.
3: This is Good Mornings with Chris Oakes on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
5: Today's
0: update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you is a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Now, I have heard of people doing some crazy things uh, over the years, but this has got to be one of the craziest things. And uh, I'm just, I was flabbergasted by this story. Um, It started in Wichita, Kansas, and ended more than a 100, about 130 miles away in Logan County, Oklahoma. 30-year-old Dustin Slocum is facing charges after hitching a ride on the back of a semi-truck. Authorities say that he jumped on the back of the rig... Apparently, what well, it was stopped, at, uh, well, it when it stopped to refuel or or something, and uh, the uh, driver of the truck, as he pulled away, did not realize that Mister Slocum had jumped on the back of his trailer. He was hanging on for dear life. If he decided to hitch a ride, uh, hanging on the back of the trailer, the semi truck. Um. Apparently, authorities say that uh, 30-year-old Dustin Slocum hitched a ride to the back of a semi in Wichita early Monday morning, hung on for 130 miles or so, 130 miles at highway speeds until other drivers were able to get the attention of the truck driver and get it to pull over uh, there in Oklahoma. The uh, local sheriff's department says the driver had no idea that Mr. Slocum was clinging to the back of his vehicle. That's... How long does that take? I mean, that has got to be, what, two hours hanging on the back of this truck at highway speeds. Can you imagine coming up on that scene on the highway if you're driving uh, and you come up on the back of that truck and there's a guy hanging on the back of the truck? That's just crazy. Mr. Slocum was booked on charges of joyriding and public intoxication. So he was inebriated to boot. It's amazing he didn't fall off kill himself that's crazy elsewhere in the uh, broken news speaking of people doing dumb things authorities in baton rouge louisiana arrested a man yesterday for allegedly selling drugs out of a church out of a church hakeem allen accused of dealing drugs at three locations including the Salvation Ministry of Jesus Christ on Page Street in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Police say Mr. Allen threw a handgun, supply of fentanyl, and uh, marijuana, bags of marijuana at officers while trying to flee the church. (laughs) He's facing several charges. I would think so. And probably facing a very uncomfortable judgment day sometime in the future. That's... I don't think, uh, I don't think the man upstairs is going to take a a liking to that. You know what I mean? Uh, let's see. Uh, dumb things in schools. A, uh, North Carolina teacher found himself in hot water when a middle schooler reported him smoking a cigarette in front of other students right there in class during school hours. That is a no-no. The incident happened at Randolph Middle School in Charlotte, North Carolina. Amani Barner, uh, an eighth grader, was in her French class when she smelled cigarette smoke. She said, I wasn't really sure exactly what it was at the time at first, but uh, she began recording video on her phone and caught footage of the teacher standing in the doorway with a um with a red beret smoking a cigarette <laughs> standing in the doorway wearing a red beret smoking a cigarette well it was french class so so maybe he was just trying to set the scene i guess maybe trying to appear parisian um but it is still a no-no the student took the footage to the uh, school administrators who have launched an investigation On the reported violation of uh, district policy, the teacher has been suspended without pay. (laughs) Just trying to set the scene for French class. All right. (laughs) Meanwhile, speaking of schools, a school district in San Diego County is reviewing a recent classroom lesson. Uh, that portrayed Adolf Hitler as a great world leader and doing a uh, unit on great leaders of the world and included Adolf Hitler. Dr. Roy David says his son, who was a student at Carmel Valley Middle School, told him about the lesson. And when his uh, son confronted the teacher about it, she said that uh, while Hitler had done some bad things, he still had strong leadership qualities. All right. Uh, By the way, some of the other uh, leaders that were featured in the uh, lesson included Mahatma Gandhi and the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. (laughs) One of these things is not like the others. (laughs) As they used to say on Sesame Street, one of these things is not like the others. Uh, By the way, uh, Dr. David and his uh, family are Jewish, so... Obviously, they're even more sensitive about the uh, issue. The uh, district says the uh, part about uh, Adolf Hitler has been removed from the uh, classroom lesson uh, and it is uh, fully under review. The district also plans to have a listening session with the Jewish community and provide anti-Semitism training for the staff. That's one of those things, though, that you really shouldn't need a lesson if you're a teacher. You should already know that's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, not a good thing. <laughs> the fact that you have to have anti-Semitism training for the teachers in your district might be a problem. And finally, in the broken news this morning, what do you do if you steal something and then you can't fence it later? You, you take something And you're trying to offload it for cash and you just can't sell it. Well, the logical next step is to bury the ill-gotten goods with an excavator. (laughs) Of course, what else would you do? You bury it with an excavator. Uh, Alex Sloan Herring of uh, Florida. I'm not sure exactly where in Florida this was. But uh, anyway, Alex allegedly... Stole a locked trailer in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian that belonged to one Jeff Stallnaker, contained uh, two race cars. He stole a trailer with two race cars inside. But how do you sell a stolen race car? I mean, there can't be that big of a market, and that's what uh, Mr. Herring eventually found out that, that was that would be very difficult to offload. Uh, Or maybe he just thought the hassle wasn't worth the trouble because the two cars were later found in a a sand pit, apparently after being buried with an excavator. Whoever buried the cars stacked one on top of the other. Uh, Unfortunately, both appear to be totaled. GPS tracking makes uh, Mr. Herring a prime suspect for the deed. He now faces nine charges related to the incident. It kind of makes you wonder, did he steal the excavator, too, to bury the cars that he stole? Because it's probably not something you just have laying around. (laughs) There you go. She seems like an awful lot of trouble to go through uh, to just bury uh, the uh, stuff that you stole. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
1: This is Atlanta's OSU Extension. It's harvest season. Drivers will be sharing roads with combines and grain hauling vehicles. Please be alert, especially on roads with limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this fall to keep our roads safe and accident-free.
2: This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM.
0: And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. This is kind of a moral question, and you probably know someone who has done this. Uh, maybe you've done it yourself. You have a big event coming up, and it's uh, it's formal uh, you have to dress up, you have to really wear something very nice, read very expensive, and maybe you can't really afford that new outfit that you have to go out and buy anyway. So, you go, you get this fancy new uh, outfit, and then you wear it for the event, you don't take the tags off of it, and the next day, you take it back, you return it for a refund, Uh it's a, it's a very common thing, and there's a, a word for, uh, for it. They call it wardrobing. <laughs> and a new survey asked 2,000 adults whether that should be illegal, whether it should be a criminal offense uh, to do that, to uh, buy something, wear it, return it the next day. Nearly half of all Americans say yes that should be a crime. Um they term it, those in the survey uh term it friendly fraud when a consumer requests a chargeback uh from their uh, from their bank. Uh that's another uh common practice. Yeah. Forty six percent think wearing clothes for an occasion and then returning them for a full refund, known as wardrobing, should be considered considered a serious illegal offense. That is not the only questionable loophole consumers take to save cash. How about creating multiple emails to take uh, advantage of customer discounts or free trial subscriptions? Have you ever done that? Created a fake account just to uh, extend a free trial of a uh, of a service or uh, to uh, get a uh, discount coupon for a new customer? You pose as a new customer because you create a new email. It's easy to create a new email. The services like uh, Gmail and Yahoo and MSN, all of that. Uh, so it's easy to do, but is it ethical? Should it be illegal? Forty-three percent of respondents believe that uh, creating multiple emails take care uh, take advantage of customer discounts for new customers. Think that should be considered a serious crime. Forty percent of those in the survey say uh, doing the same to get a free trial subscription to a uh, service. Uh, should also be considered a crime hmm. uh, and this is kind of inter- uh, interesting dining and dashing you know the dine and dash where you go and you have a meal but you skip out on the check 44% say that is a serious crime I would have thought that would have been higher I mean that's clearly that's clearly wrong clearly should be illegal and is illegal um, secretly recording another person because everybody has a cell phone these days, everybody has a video camera, secretly recording another person, 45% believe that that is a serious crime. Again, it is a crime, and yes, it is serious, but I would have thought that number would have been higher. This research uh, represents growing awareness around the issue of online fraud, the uh, genesis of this kind of interesting stuff. Well, there's pink everywhere you look now. Coming off the Toledo Race for the Cure just a couple of weekends ago, now October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And joining us this morning is Sarah Rosales, uh, Vice President of Corporate and Foundation Partnerships at Susan G. Komen Foundation. And Sarah, first of all, it it almost seems as though we should maybe come up with a a rebrand of Breast Cancer Awareness Month because by now we've all heard the statistics. We're all aware of how prevalent and serious this is there's not the stigma of talking about this that there once was it seems to me anyway like maybe we're beyond the awareness phase and what we need now is more action would that be a a fair assessment of where we are right now in the the fight against breast cancer
2: well thank you so much and you're right we look to breast cancer awareness month to shine a bright light on the work that susan g komen is doing but it does come down to the action that we're driving. So investing in the critical research that is going to prevent reoccurrence and the most aggressive forms of breast cancer, um, while also ensuring uh, that we are offering support to all people so that they can access the care they need today.
0: So you have something called Shop for a Cause. What is this?
2: So Shopping for a Cause really empowers customers to make purchases that benefit organizations like Susan G. Komen. And with Komen's Live Pink program, we're excited to be partnering with so many brands that are giving back this October.
0: So uh, you mentioned the uh, uh, Shop for the Cause is uh, sort of one component of this uh, broader 2022 Live Pink program. Tell us more about this and, and how it works.
2: So you can visit livepink.org to shop for products and services that are benefiting Komen. And just by shopping, you are helping to support the innovative research that Komen is funding. Um, You're supporting the work we're doing to break down barriers to care and helping us amplify the voices of the breast cancer community.
0: So, uh, who are the uh, partners? I, I don't know if we have time to to get them all in. You have a number of them, but tell us uh, tell us some about the the uh, Live Pink partners in this program.
2: Well, we have over twenty five. So, I'll just pick a few to highlight for you today. Um, so, first, if you are ready to start your holiday shopping, I know I definitely need to start my holiday shopping. Simon Malls is inviting you to make a donation to Komen Online and receive an instant digital discount pass to be used at your local mall. And for our crafters, you can also make a donation at Joanne Stores and you'll receive a 40% off coupon for your next visit. Um, and a great new partner to Komen is Sugar Bear Vitamins. They are launching their Sweet Vitamins for a Good Cause campaign. Um, and this specialty market includes a two month supply of their hair vitamins. We also have so many other great programs with brands like Wacol and echelon and ford and avis and and budget car rentals there's really something for everybody
0: that's what i was going to mention uh it it sounds like there's uh, quite a variety uh so it's not just limited to one uh, type of product or one uh, category of product or or service and, and and so on so any number of ways uh to help and and certainly you know we don't mean to spotlight any and leave anybody out uh as if one is any less important than any other, like you said, there are, what, uh, two dozen uh, or more that uh, folks can take advantage of.
2: That's right. There's so many great products and services. So definitely encourage you to check out Live Pink.
0: And you were touching on this earlier. I want to ask you to expand a bit uh, on it the ways in which this uh, these donations are put to use, uh, there's there's research and there's access uh, to care. Really, kind mm-hmm. of the the two main components for Susan G. Coleman, correct?
2: Yes, that's right. So we are investing in research um, again. That's really focused on preventing reoccurrence and providing better treatment for. Those living with metastatic breast cancer. And we're also focused on supporting patients now. So that means providing direct to patient resources like our helpline, our treatment assistance program, and our patient navigation services. We really want to be, um, to walk alongside patients as they navigate their cancer journey and provide them with all of the wraparound support that we can um, to ensure that they have everything they need to stay in the continuum of care.
0: Again, Sarah Rosales is a Vice President of Corporate and Foundation Partnerships at Susan G. Komen Foundation for this. Uh, again, we're going to call it Breast Cancer Action Month because that's what we need folks to do now is uh, take action, uh, whether we're talking about getting screened, uh, taking action to uh, help Uh, raise additional funds for more research and more care for more women and where do folks learn more about the work that you are doing the live pink uh, partners shop for a cause all of that
2: so you can visit livepink.org to learn more about all of the companies and brands that we talked about today that are supporting home this month
0: sarah thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it thank you and that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program. Of course, remember you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that is goodmornings.net. Always on 24-7 on the World Wide Web. So check us out at goodmornings.net. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, going out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here again tomorrow.